James Howell will be speaking of the wonderful text of Isaiah, which is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We've added an Advent acclamation. If you'll look at the first page of your program, you have a part in this, and we're going to give you just a moment to learn it. We're singing a little section of Messiah, which is quite famous. The choir will guide you in. They will sing, For unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called, and then you're in. Wonderful. And that's your part. So we're going to start right where you begin. Wonderful. Here we go. One, two, ready, sing. Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's all you get. Back row by yourself, please. <laughs> One more time. All together. Wonderful. Ready, go. Rest, rest. Together now. God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Beautiful. The choir, Evan will give us a little lead in, then the choir will sing, and his name shall be called, and that's your note, and then you come in. I'll give you a big old cue when it's time. Let's worship together.
Thank you, Billy Simo, for setting the tone for our service today. Good morning, friends. Welcome to our 945 service. And this is the first Sunday of Advent. It's not the end of the year. It's the beginning of the year. Blessings to one and all. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room. Many more joining us online. Some of you I know are visiting with us. We are so honored that you have come. We hope you come back. We hope you leave us contact information so we can uh, begin the process of befriending one another, see if you need us to pray for you for anything, uh, whatever might be of help. Uh, that'd be a great thing. Uh, today's first Sunday of Advent. Today is the uh, 20th anniversary of Goodness Gracious, our wonderful gift shop. If you have not gone there and spent a lot of money, then shame on you. Um, there's still time, though. They have big, a big uh, event down there today that way, and you can find that. My name's James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Nathan Arledge. It's a joy to be here with you this morning as we do begin this Advent season. We have wonderful opportunity to fill your whole day with ways to engage with our church. Across the street, there are still Christmas trees for sale um, from noon to three. If you have not gotten your one or two or three, um, you still can make those purchases. Um, 
be a cool way to also gift somebody a Christmas tree if you know someone who might need one. Um, the youth would definitely appreciate that. And then at 4 and then at 6 tonight at First United Methodist Uptown is our annual Christmas concert. It's a beautiful way to usher in the season, and it's also a really great way um, to invite somebody, somebody that you might not see regularly on a Sunday, say, hey, come and be with us on this um, evening to really brighten their day. Now let's continue this time of worship. responsive reading as we light the first candle the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in land in a land of deep darkness on them light has shined we light this candle in hope
Let us continue to joyfully worship as we affirm our faith with the, with the Apostles' Creed found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us unite our hearts and our mouths together as we offer to God our confession. Let us pray. Wonderful Counselor, we lay our foolishness and brokenness at your feet. Guide us into your wisdom. Mighty God, our pride and quest for power cause more harm than good. Open our hearts to your strength and weakness. Everlasting Father, Forgive us for straying far from your home with you. Restore our kinship with you, O God. Prince of peace, conflict, fear, and rancor plague us. Let us believe your promises and gifts of peace. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is Isaiah, chapter 11, beginning with the first verse. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his waist, and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Just over 2,700 years ago, Israel was plunged into a severe, terrifying national crisis. Uh, villages all around the countryside had been crushed by the Assyrian juggernaut. It was now surrounding the city. Israel at that time had the misfortune of having a fool for a king, Ahaz. Fortunately, Isaiah the prophet had access to the corridors of power. He comes uh, to the king and uh, Ahaz, not knowing what to do, says, show me a sign. I need a sign from God. He wants something like, you know, a mass thunderstorm to come down and strike the Assyrian army dead or an angelic horde of armies coming down to fight for him. And Isaiah gives him a sign, but the sign that he gives him, just right on cue, that child made the sound. It was an, <laughs> an infant. What Isaiah does, he points to probably the queen who is pregnant and says, a child shall be born, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. What kind of sign is that? Uh, sometimes uh, Christians panic when they go off to college and they take Religion 101, and they learn that in this passage, Isaiah isn't crystal balling at 700 plus years into the future predicting the birth of Jesus. What good would that have been to the Israelites who were about to be crushed by the Assyrians? They needed something from God in that situation. People always need something from God in that situation. Isaiah says, a woman will conceive and bear a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That's always God's way. God's way is always uh, a small way, a way of love, a way of vulnerability. It's not might, but it's love. It's compassion. It's God's nature at all times. Love. Uh, the child's name will be Emmanuel. It becomes Jesus' nickname later. Uh, what's in a name? I would love it if I had the time to uh, sit with each one of you and not just say, tell me your name, but why do you have the name that you have? There's always a story behind it. Uh, nobody ever said, well, my, my parents computer-generated a name, like whatever comes out. Oh, Beatrice. I'll be Beatrice, right? They give you a name for a reason. I am James because my mother and my father had a beloved grandfather, separate ones, of course, named James. And I don't know why I've always been a James instead of a Jim or a Jimmy or a Jamie or something. We aren't a stuffy, formal family, but I'm just James. When Lisa and I had children, 
made a number of commitments around names that we would use. Uh, the first is that we would only give our children names that could not possibly be misspelled. And so we began with Sarah. <laughs> that was not very good. And then second child, uh, we, the girl name that we had anointed was Abigail forever. And Lisa had a really difficult uh, delivery. Child pops out, it's a girl. Lisa looks at me and says, can we call her Grace instead? I was in no position to argue. <laughs> Grace for her grandmother. I'm so, so glad we chose that name. And then finally, a boy, Noah's born. The funniest thing I think was... Uh, our bishop phoned the hospital, and Lisa had him on the phone, and he said, oh, it's a boy. What's his name? And Lisa says, Noah. And the bishop says, how do you spell that? <laughs> What's a name? There's some optimism in giving a name and revealing it with each of our children. You know, I had to walk out to the waiting room and tell Lisa's mom, it's Sarah, it's Grace, it's Noah, it's a revelation. <laughs> some honor in all of that. Carl Sandburg wrote that a baby is God's opinion that life should go on, right? You have a baby because there's some future, there's some good future, there's something with God. They say that you uh, actually look like your name. This is an amazing thing, Nathan. Uh, if there were people who didn't know you, if they showed your photo and they gave them five names, 40% of them would say, he looks like a Nathan. And there he is. Isn't that interesting? You look like your name. It's sort of a sacred trust. And what the Bible teaches us is that uh, God calls you by name. God doesn't just know your name, but God calls you by name if we had the ears to hear God speaking to us. Uh, God looks like his name. How do I put that? Uh, I love that nickname, Emmanuel. When Jesus is born, he gets that nickname, Emmanuel. It means God with us. God with us. What could be better news? We think we want more from God, don't we? We think we want God to insulate us. We think we want God uh, to help us make a lot of money. We think we want God to, to whatever. But actually what we need is a God who will be a faithful companion always, no matter what. God is always with us. Uh, you can realize this if you talk to some older people. I don't mind if you lump me in that category either. You talk to some older people and you ask them, what do you want for Christmas? If an older person has a list of 12 things, something is really wrong in that person's head. If you ask an older person, what do you want for Christmas? They can't think of things, but they will tell you that there's somebody they want to come and be with them. Somebody they want to come and be with them. And it's not just a matter of uh, age. It's actually true through all stages of life. I told some of you before, one time our daughter Sarah was sick. I don't know what she had. And Lisa and I were taking turns bobbing in and out of her room, plying her with Tylenol and such. So I went in one time and I kind of wiped her brow and I'm walking out and I said, honey, is there anything you need? She said, daddy, I just need you in here with me. God is in here with us, always. Uh, I love this take on uh, Handel's uh, Messiah. So interesting. Uh, and at some point, uh, Handel's Messiah was pretty popular, and one of these uh, lords uh, came to Handel the composer and said, wow, that was really entertaining. I, that was a great entertainment. And Handel responded <laughs> by saying, I should be sorry if I only entertained them. I wish to make them better 
Hugh, we're concert tonight. Are you going to entertain people? If you come to be entertained, I, you could be entertained, but I think our goal was always to be better, to be holier, to be closer to God. That's why we have a magnificent music program is to raise our hearts toward God and to make us better. I remember learning to sing uh, Handel's Messiah. I probably was in middle school. I don't know. I'm not sure I'd ever heard it performed. So we had the music and we're learning it. And I was so intrigued by this phrase that we're focusing on the, this month. It doesn't say Handel didn't write, and his name shall be called Wonderful. It, it's not called. It does the called. You sang it. His name shall be called. And I thought, what is that? Like, called? And I thought it was so cool. It sort of says, like, this isn't just any name. Like, there's something special is coming. And it's not, his name shall be called wonderful. There's a pause. His name shall be called, and you wait on it, wonderful. And it's not wonderful. It's wonderful. Like, I love that. Like, this is something special. This is something extraordinary. <laughs> this is God's actual presence and the whole business of uh, the waiting on it the waiting on it. This is a season, this Advent, that society will confuse you. You know this, but you let it confuse you anyway. But let me just say, Advent is a season to pause, to be still. The world's telling you, and you're taking your orders from it, you better get busy. You better eat your Wheaties this morning because you got so much to do, and you got to go shopping, and you got to decorate, and you got to go here, you got to just gotta rush, 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 rush. I mean, get your energy organized. You got to really be going now. It's Advent. But in church, we say, no, this is actually a time to, time to pause. It is a time to be still. And you can be still. Why? God is with you. <laughs> It's okay. God is with us. I love the name. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'll unfold that these four Sundays of Advent. When I think about that long name, uh, it does remind me of, um, if you've ever seen the best Christmas pageant ever, it's the story of the Herdman family of kids, they're kind of these wild delinquents, and they take over ruin and then make the Christmas pageant. Imogene, on hearing this name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. She says, oh my God, he'd never get out of first grade with a name like that. <laughs> the Wonderful Counselor business, the Hebrew, uh, probably doesn't really, it's not best translated Wonderful Counselor. Most scholars think the best way to translate it would be Planner of Wonders. Planner of wonders. God is a planner of wonders. Our music concert tonight will be a wonder. Hugh, you have been planning the wonder behind the scenes. Evan, have you been practicing, Evan, the organ? I hope so. Yes. Planning. You plan a wonder. It doesn't just happen. God is a planner of wonders. I told you two weeks about it two weeks ago about going with my buddy to Niagara Falls, and I'll repeat again, when we got there, so interesting, people were pulling out their phones and they were saying really wise things like, wow, wow, they, like, they had no other words. They had, one guy had a four-letter word that I won't repeat here, Niagara Falls, and I mentioned two weeks ago, my friend Rabbi Stephen Sager took his children to Niagara Falls, and when they saw it, they didn't pull out their phones. Instead, they recited a prayer uh, that they had committed to memory when they were very young children, 
And that prayer was, blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, creator of wonders. See the difference? God is a planner of wonders. You don't have to drive to the Canadian border to see a wonder. They're all over the place, but we get our senses are so dull we miss it. Remember when uh, Nathan's daughter Cameron was born, Lisa and I went over to visit, and uh, we came and we sat down on the front stoop, and we missed a wonder, but Carter, his son, didn't miss it. We'd walked right past it, didn't even notice. Uh, Carter had found a little dandelion in the yard and plucked it, brought it to Lisa. What a wonder. We just walked right past that. The wonders, they're all over the place. I love what, what Annie Dillard wrote about growing up in Pittsburgh when she was a little girl. She said one of the things she loved to do and she didn't have much money, but she had some pennies, and she liked to take a penny out and hide, semi-hide it somewhere. So she'd come to the, the you know, the, she'd cradle it in, in the roots of a sycamore tree or, or you know, a patch of sidewalk. as there's a crack. She'd put the penny in there, and then she would take chalk, and she'd draw big arrows up the sidewalk. And when she learned how to write, she would write, surprise ahead. <laughs> I love that. I just wait for people to come, oh, it's a penny. Here's what she wrote about this. I was greatly excited during all this arrow drawing at the thought of the first lucky passerby who would receive in this way, regardless of merit, a free gift from the universe. The world is fairly studded and strewn with pennies cast broadside from a generous hand. <laughs> God is the planner of wonders. We planned uh, wonders. Our church is a wonder. I never want us to brag on our church, but I don't want you to take it for granted. This church is a wonder. I mean, what a privilege to be part of such a church. We plan music wonders, a different kind of wonder. Bill Roth is planning our uh, Hope and Consolation service. Eight days from now, we'll gather in this sanctuary. And at that time, you can light candles and you can cry your eyes out and nobody will look at you funny because on that day, we remember people that we have loved and lost in the past year, 40 years ago, and you just feel that absence so acutely during this month. Wonders. Goodness gracious. Our, uh, goodness gracious. Our uh, goodness gracious gift shop it's been here 20 years now. Seems like a place to go buy stuff. I mean, of course it is, but what you need to know is when you buy stuff there, they have, this is amazing. This is a wonder. Over 20 years, they've given over half a million dollars to mission causes, but maybe an even greater wonder. When I first came here as pastor, I learned there was gonna be a gift shop. I thought, gift shop? <laughs> and one of the women said, uh, our main mission is we're gonna be in here and if somebody comes in and they need to talk, we will listen to them. Like, what a wonder, somebody to listen. Our building committee, our donors, they're, they're planning the wonder of this building. The real wonder of the building is going to be, like, what are the wonders that God is planning to do through our church? I can't wait to see what that will be. Maybe the greatest wonder is this, uh, because God became one of us, then that must mean that us, all of us, uses are pretty special. You and the other guy. I told you last week that uh, somebody uh, studied this kind of thing. You have more neurons in your brain than there are stars in the Milky Way. Like, you are amazing. <laughs> but you don't just have that. You have your dreams and you have your wounds and you have all this. And everybody else is a wonder, too. I try to think about this sometimes. I'm in traffic and I'm getting annoyed. Like, 
everybody in Charlotte needs to go to a driving class. It just makes me crazy. It wouldn't help. And so I tried to calm myself down by looking at somebody in the next car, and I tried to remember the neurons and the brain thing, and I realized all the stuff that is in me, James, you know, dreams, worries, loves, passions, the person, they've got a, just as complicated and wonderful a world. You, know, you go to the airport, and you're kind of hustling to your gate. These people that you're passing, and each one of them is a wonder to pull. This is why God became one of us, by the way. God didn't become one of us to make you a better shopper. God didn't become one of us to make you a better cook or a better investor. God didn't come so you could be a really good TV binger. God didn't come so you could be, like, really good on the golf course. God came so that we could be tender, so that we could look in the mirror. Did you look in the mirror this morning? I looked in the mirror. I didn't linger as I should have. I shaved. I brushed my teeth. I combed. I hope my hair looks okay now that I'm saying it. You look in the mirror, but you need to pause when you look in the mirror because you're looking, and that's a wonder to behold. It's a wonder to behold. God made you this wonder. Uh, and I'll be done real quick. One more thing. Thinking wonderful counselor, that is something that you could use. I actually would be a wonderful counselor. I'd ask you to raise hands, but I won't. How many of you have ever been for counseling? Probably every one of us uh, should have been for counseling. You actually are getting counseling all the time. If you said to me, I've never been to counseling, you go to counseling every single day. You watch the TV, you look on Facebook, you listen to your friends chattering. You're getting counsel all over the place, and that counseling is telling you what you ought to do and who you ought to be and what matters and what doesn't matter, and here's how you ought to live your life. And it is so much just foolishness, I'm sorry. We need a wonderful counselor. We need a wonderful counselor. <laughs> So the Peanuts comic strip, by the way, Lucy is always funny. She'd put up her shingle that says, psychiatric help, five cents. Charlie Brown comes by one day and says, uh, I've been, just been sinking into depression. I feel so bad. I just don't know what to do. And Lucy says, um, you need to get over it and give me five cents is what you need to do. We need a wonderful counselor, and if you think about uh, the prophets of Israel, Isaiah, go up to John the Baptist, Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul, these are wonderful counselors. They can tell you what matters and what you need to do and what you need to be about. They can tell you, like, be, be still, rest, be holy, be generous. When you look in the mirror, the world defines it all kinds of ways, good-looking, not too fat, too big, too something. And what Paul says is your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't know about you, I don't like this body. Yes, this body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the counselor that is God, the counselor that we hear from through Scripture, the counselor, the wonderful counselor is defined in Isaiah 11. Did you hear it? He has a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of knowledge. He does not judge by what his eyes see or what his ears hear. So wonderful. I'd love to hear what your name is, why you have the name that you have. Here's the thing that that book of Isaiah tells us later on. Some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel. It's probably a good idea. 
In Isaiah chapter 49, what it says, at that point, the prophet is speaking to people who are so desolate, they've given up all hope. They're, they've sunk into a depression far worse than Charlie Brown's. They feel like it's just over. There's no life left. And Isaiah says to them that yeah, God, what God says is that your name, your name is engraved. That really means tattooed. Your name is tattooed in the palm of God's hand. You feel neglected, you feel forsaken, you are not. God is with you, and God knows your name. God loves you more than you love yourself or could even dream of loving yourself or that anybody else has ever loved you times 10. <laughs> your name, his name, will be called Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we offer ourselves to you this Advent season. We admit that we may struggle to enter this time peacefully. Rather than a season of waiting, we find ourselves running around, creating lists, and focusing on anything but you, O oh God. Help us to center ourselves to you, to allow your peace to be our peace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, help us to seek you in our lives. Help us to ask ourselves what you are calling us toward rather than how the world is shaping, counseling, and forming us. When the world says more things, help us to hear your voice saying more love, more peace, more grace, more of you, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, this time of year has so much joy, yet the grief and sorrow of the world continues to cling to us. Be with those who are grieving. May their aches be felt by you, O oh God. Be with those who are depressed. May their breathlessness be met with your life. Be with those who are anxious. May their fear be met with your comfort. May we be empowered and inspired to support those among us who need care this season. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, may your gentle hand continue to guide us in all that we do. May we be transformed by you in the prayer your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
Friends, as we come to uh, collect our offering as an act of worship for God, I would remind you, we do what we do this every year. Uh, we, so much of our income comes in the month of December. Know that it is needed. So let us give and give generously to keep all of our ministry commitments to continue to be a wonder to so many people.
all that is good comes from you. We offer these blessings to you. Heavenly Father, today we ask you bless all the students, teachers, and administrators at our school partners. We are grateful for all the adult and youth volunteers who give their time each week. Be with everybody involved with our school partnerships this holiday season and throughout the school year. Amen.
I love those words you just sang. I'm looking for the coming of Christ. I want to be with Jesus. So lovely. This is our prayer. Friends, uh, the music thing tonight, it occurs to me, some of you may never have done this, and if you have, have not, you, you have just missed it. We have a concert at 4, we have it at 6. Why do we do it at First Methodist Church downtown? They have an auditorium that is four times this size, and we fill it twice. And we can have mass choirs, so it's just, you know, these few uh, dinky people. <laughs> And we have symphony and children. It's absolutely wonderful. First Methodist is on Tryon Street, downtown, uptown, between 8th and 9th Street. There's a shuttle running from here. That's very convenient. But you can also park there. They have a deck. It enters off 9th Street between Tryon and Church Street. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, either at 4 o'clock or at 6 o'clock this evening uh, for a wonder to behold. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm.